Hey, I'm Allison Hare, and welcome to Little Left of Center, the podcast that interviews culture changers that are reshaping our world and breaking new ground. Parenting is freaking hard, and we have individualized support available for every area in our lives. But as they say, there's no handbook for parenting, probably one of the most important roles a person can play. My guest is Allie Horn of The New Normal, as she is a pediatric nurse practitioner who seeks to fill a deep need from parents to get individualized supporting guidance to parenting. Allie gave such great advice from kids' nutrition to figuring out schedules, finances, baby registries, and everything in between. And also, if you haven't subscribed to this podcast yet, what are you waiting for? Enjoy our chat. I'm so excited to have Allie Horn on the Little Left of Center podcast today. Allie Horn is somebody I've known for a long time. Um, she is the first caretaker to my son, who is six. And um, I she, didn't realize that. Yes. <laughs> you, I think you were the first person at Intown Pediatrics to lay your hands on my son. Awesome. Um, which is great. So um, Allie Horn ha- is a nurse practitioner, a pediatric nurse practitioner, very well-educated, um, a lot of experience and has broken off and has start not broken off, has proliferated and has started a new program, which I cannot wait to find out more about, called the New Normal Parenting, which to me, from what I can tell, it looks like an individualized or personalized health care for your children and for the parents who take care of them. So tell me, how did this come about? What is it? <laughs> Thank Good you question. for being here. Yeah, no, thanks for having me. Um, so... It's been something that's been on my mind for several years, I would say. Um, Being a pediatric nurse practitioner, as many nurses would know, it kind of gives you the opportunity to approach things in a variety of ways. You know, you can work in a hospital, you can work in a primary care setting, but then sometimes there's other opportunities where you can be helpful and utilize your knowledge. Um, And so I would say I'd have to go back to the beginning, which is when I was a nurse practitioner and I was living in Germany at the time because my husband was stationed over there. He was in the service. Um, and so I wasn't going to be there for long enough to work in a hospital setting. It just didn't make sense to get a job. And I didn't know how long the the duty station would last. So I went to the base to try to figure out a different way that I could provide help or be of service in that capacity. And they had something called the New Parent Support Program. So it's something through Army Community Service. And it's offered at all these variety of bases. Because essentially, as you know, with the military, people are moving a lot. So people are moving around and they are having to establish new support teams wherever they go, new healthcare providers, but also just new friends and new helpers for what it's like to raise kids in, when you're moving. And so my role there was to provide care for folks, um, anybody that had a child between the ages of zero and three, or if they were expecting, um, qualified for this service and it was free to them, paid for by the army, um, and so I was going into people's living rooms and going into their houses and seeing where they needed help and helping them, helping their kids. Um, sometimes they would come to my office. But for the most part, the, the times I felt the most helpful was when I was in their living space. And we were having these conversations that I don't think they ever even knew they needed to have. Mm. Um, and we were just trying to figure things out and trying to see what we could do. Because often these folks don't have extended family near them. They don't have... Um, you know, a support group or they, because they haven't been there long enough, or maybe mm-hmm. they have been there and they do have a support group, but they have other, 
you know, obstacles. Their husband is deployed or something else. So that was one facet of um, where this sort of stemmed from because I really liked it. I really found that I was enjoying being in these people's homes and spaces and talking to them. Um, and I got a lot of good feedback from them as well, where it just felt different than being in a doctor's office and asking their medical provider where they might feel rushed or they might feel, um, you know, like they had many other medically specific things to talk about and they didn't really have time to talk about the logistics of their life. Mm-hmm. Um, so that would be sort of the baseline of where I got the idea. And then as I returned to the States and I've been working at Intown Pediatrics and I see patients all day, I felt that. I felt that like there were so many layers I could peel back in these visits and so many things these parents had questions about. Um, and there just was never enough time. There never is, right? You could, I could spend an hour with every patient and feel like I could fill it up with things about parenting and what it's like to have a newborn yes. or a five-year-old or whatever. Um, and so I continued to think about it. And then, you know, I have kids of my own now. I have a four-year-old and a two-year-old. And in that space, I have a lot of friends who are also having kids of their own. And so many of my military friends who are you know, spread out across the United States would use me as a resource, specifically because as they were moving, as I observed first time around, they didn't have any help. They didn't know who their pediatrician was going to be yet or, you know, they were in between stations and hadn't established it. And so I started becoming more of like a virtual consultant for them. Um, and then here in Atlanta, a lot of my friends are patients at in town, but many are not. And it sort of developed into the same thing. I had tons of questions that they were asking me that, yeah, many could be asked to your pediatrician specifically, but not all of them felt, you know, big enough for them to need to call their doctor. Yes. Um, they didn't feel big enough to, or maybe they were more of like a general opinion as opposed to like, I need, you know, the answer to this. Um, and I also feel like, I always forget what I mean to ask yes. in the 15 minutes or whatever that right. I've got in the doctor's office of, oh my God. So I walk out and I'm like, well, I'll just Google it or something, you exactly, know? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And so my friends really helped me realize the need for this because I, and again, I enjoyed it. So like my friends would always be like, I'm so sorry that I keep asking you. I'm probably like your mm-hmm. most annoying friend or whatever, <laughs> but I really like it because that's what I feel as a parent and as a mom that like you need that you need somebody or something that you can go to that's not as broad as Google that's not as opinionated as family members that's Mm -hmm. not as um, just complicated you know or overwhelming if you will and so the new normal goal is to be sort of that middleman or that resource for somebody who is going into parenthood with questions and wanting somebody that they can email or talk to um you know it's this is not meant to be any form of replacement of like your medical advice and opinions and appropriate appointments with your provider like that i can't speak volumes enough about how important that is this is a this is a different avenue this is more of the support underneath that um and yeah i can answer basic medical things and i can provide you with advice and direction but the the real source of what the new normal is about is helping you navigate parenthood when you might not know what questions to ask and I remember um your husband Brandon I remember Mm -hmm. seeing him somewhere in the neighborhood and I was telling him like you know every once in a while I'm thinking of 
you know, texting your wife because yeah. my daughter had a rash or something. And yeah. he's like, you should. She loves it. I'm like, I can't do that. And then I was like texting you about potty training. Yes. All kinds yes. Of stuff. And that that advice worked. I right. got my daughter <laughs> good potty <laughs> trained within a week right. um, from talking to you. So I understand the importance of this. And, you know, I thought it was interesting. You put a graphic on, I think it was Facebook mm-hmm. that had... Um, like when you are in school, you have a guidance counselor and you're assigned all of this help when it comes to getting pregnant or, uh, being a parent, there's no guidebook whatsoever. Exactly. Well, and it's like, you also, you think about your biggest life changes, you know, so you, one could argue going to college and then getting married and then buying a house and then setting up your finances. And you're exactly right. All of those steps, like the first thing you say is like, I got to buy a house. I got to find a realtor. You know, I'm going to set up my retirement. I need a financial planner or, you know, even the most basic things I'm decorating my house. I'm going to hire somebody to help me do that. These things in our day to day life. But then parenthood, which is arguably one of the most life changing things, you don't think that you need to hire anybody to help you or guide you or have a resource to be a part of that with you. But are they readily available? Because I I, I understand Moms on Call. Yep. And that's the service I use with my first child. And yes, with my second I child, too. I used a postpartum doula. Yes. And both were amazing. And I'm so grateful to have the opportunity to be yeah. able to do that. But I don't know that it's... Um, available is widely available on the lexicon i didn't realize a service like yours has emerged or is available so how do you scale how do you get the word out that how important it is no it's a great question and i think that i'm still figuring out how you know um available and needed this service is. I I wholeheartedly believe every mother would love it um maybe not every but many um but i think Because one of the things that's so interesting is I find people don't know they need it yet. Mm -hmm. And so the difficult piece is explaining to people before you've been to parenthood that you might want this service. Because again, in that uh, graphic that you saw, it's like people have this idea and maybe call it social media or whatever that everybody makes it look glamorous and wonderful is it's just like, we'll figure it out. We're going to be parents. This is so awesome. We are smart people. We got this, like we have resources and we're going to do it and we'll figure it out along the way. And then we'll ask our friends and our parents and we're good, which is true for many people. And it usually is fine sometimes, but you have to, um, prepare for these things can or preparing for these things can eliminate so many things that I see on a daily basis. And I think there's so many conversations that just simply are not had. And so in terms of scaling this to get it out the word so far, it's been via word of mouth. Mm -hmm. A lot of this has been a friend of a friend. And, you know, I've had friends who have sent their friends. I've, you know, have friends in Washington that I am consulting via the phone because I have a friend who lives out there and she, needed my help and it worked for her and then she had a friend and so forth um and then you know i i have a a large community in atlanta just because i've lived here my whole life and so so far that's where it's been um but you know through avenues like this and just continuing to help people understand that this is available and you are right there are a lot of different things out there moms on call is a great resource um there's even in my short time of doing this i've opened my eyes to many other things that are Mm -hmm. out there um 
they tend to be more specific, like more specific to sleep training or to scheduling or something once the baby is here. But one of the things I really want to tap into with folks is having these conversations before the baby even arrives. Mm. So coming into your space to sit down and let's just talk about this. What are the expectations here? And partner involvement is huge. And you know, yeah. it doesn't just have to be husband. It can be same sex couples. It can be adoptive babies. It can be anything because parenting is a partnered thing even if you're a single parent who are your partners in this life who are who is your support team and that's kind of how I've approached it which is that it doesn't have to be traditional but you're gonna need somebody to support you and so let's talk with everybody and get people involved and see how we can create a plan that works in your space because you know if you have a traveling partner that's never going to be there at bedtime every night that's your reality so we can make it work for your reality if you are the one that's working from home and you're expected to oh it's fine she's working from home she can take care of the infant at the same time like we need to talk about that and talk about what that looks like um and so that's really the part that i feel like doesn't get talked about enough is how much you really should be talking about things before the baby even gets here. Well, something you mentioned that really stuck out to me because it sounds like um, it, it sounds like a life coach almost, <laughs> you know, uh, in, in the parenting space because yeah. you talked about financial and right. logistics, right? And those are two things. Like I remember when we got had our son, it took us probably. Uh, no, no less than an hour just to get out the door, right? <laughs> just to figure out, you know, how to get the baby in the diaper mm-hmm. bag. You'd think it'd be easy, just grab the child and go. Yes, but it was a mess. It's humbling, isn't it? <laughs> it is, or yeah. just you know, just getting out the door, or you know, as the kids get older, and then the financial part. That is huge. Right. You know, saving for college or being able to pay for you know, whatever it is, just the, the expenditures that come along with just having a baby or even, you know, do you have access to resources that could be more affordable? Right. You know, uh, from a financial perspective, have you thought Mm -hmm. of this or this free service that people don't know about? Right. So tell me about your expertise of, you know, understanding what's out in the marketplace. How do you custom tailor it? Uh When there are situations that may not be like yours? Sure. So I think, one thing to, that I always start with is just talking about what does the day-to-day look like for each partner? So the mom, the dad, or whomever. What does that day look like for you? This is pre-baby. So where do you work? What are your hours? And what are your options? So can you work from home certain days of week? If you do, what does that look like? Mm-hmm. Do you need to be in the office at a certain time no matter what? You know, I can speak particularly to my situation. My job is the least flexible when it comes to the days that I'm at work. I can't get a phone call at noon and say, hey, your kiddo is sick. You got to come pick them up because I've got patients to see. My husband, on the other hand, he works in financial technology and yeah, his job is very busy and demanding, but there are things that he is able to push around and move around or move a meeting or something to make that happen. And so, you know, that's one aspect that I think people maybe, I mean, I should give people more credit, but a lot of people seem to have not talked about is like the logistics of what their day-to-day looks like and where that can bend. So can you come home early and be the parent that is picking up the kids or something, but then you can sign back on to work from nine to 10 at night or eight to 10 at night or something? Or do we need to rotate the weeks of who does what each night? Is somebody traveling? So that's one piece is starting to think about your day-to-day and where flexibility exists. And there might be a situation where it doesn't. So then if it doesn't exist, what are our options next? So now do either of our companies offer childcare? 
to help the logistics in the morning get better? Is there something close to on-site, et cetera? I know for my husband and I, when we started looking at childcare, we looked all over the place and then we found several that we liked, but the reason we landed on the one at the end is because it was in the same building as where my husband went to work. Yes. And so there became a piece where it was like, yeah, that's a little bit more expensive, but in the grand scheme of our day-to-day life, is this going to make our life better? And so I think... Um, you know, looking at your options in childcare, aftercare, and then where do your support team lie elsewhere? Are there folks you carpool with? No, maybe not. Are you, do you have extended family? Do you not? And then what commitments do you need to scale back on because of those limitations? Um, you know, we are very, very fortunate that both of our parents live in Atlanta. So with our first child, only one of our set of parents did. My husband's parents actually moved up here for our, after our second child. But again, these were all factors that played into our ability to commit to continued things. So, you know, my husband switched jobs about a year ago. And one of the conversations we had to talk about was like, okay, this is awesome. It's a great opportunity. We want to do this, but now we have to shift a whole bunch of things yeah. around. How does that look? And so those are the kind of conversations I'm talking about where I can hopefully help people just ask questions or think about things that they might not really have thought that are going to be an issue yet. Mm. So when you are uh, uh, working at, I don't know how you're going to do this. <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> you know, you still work at yes. um, a, a pediatrician's yes. office. Yes. So how do you, I'm curious for two reasons. One is how are you going to do it? Yes. And what does that look like? What is yeah. your offering? Because I know you offer in-home consultations Correct. as well. Yep. And the second question is, what what do you hear parents ask for the most that aren't normally getting addressed? Where are people's concerns lying? Mm-hmm. So to answer your first question, it's a great question and time will tell. <laughs> so I will say, you know, I work at Intown Pediatrics and I have zero intentions of ever not doing that. Patient care is what I've loved and I love the hands-on experience. I love the medical side of things and I love being in the room with those patients. Like that's just for sure my passion and that's where I derive so much of this from is by having that experience. Um, I have scaled back where I work three days a week there. Um, so that gives me time during the week to create. Was that intentional for this? Um, it was a variety of things, kind of what I was talking about before with Brandon's job and where we were in life. Um, my child is now in pre-K, which is a different time of day that they Mm. get finished. Um, and so again, to create logistics that made us not all crazy people. And I wanted to be, have the opportunity to pick her up some days and things like that. Um, so it was a, it was a variety of, uh, things that all sort of came together at one time. Um, but so that's where the idea is the space for time to do this. Mm -hmm. Um, and then, you know, with electronics these days, again, with my friends as my guide, I have been texting and emailing outside of work hours for the past five years about this. And yeah. so that kind of just feels natural to me. That's sort of a easy, that hasn't felt overwhelming to me to easily tap into the ability because that's one of the offerings are these subscription services where... Yeah, tell us about the service. Well, so if you don't want, you know, somebody to come into your house or you don't feel like you need quite that level of, you know, involvement, on but you call. want somebody yeah. to chat with about it. So you think of it as, yeah, it's sort of like an on-call service. It's not quite you know, like you call me, I call you back in 20 minutes. So like it is at the doctor's office, but it's more of like, Hey, these are some things that we're having a hard time with. Like, for example, your potty training example of like, this is what we've done. This is what's not working. This is what is working. Help. Like there's 9,000 books for me to read. There's 9,000 methods for me to choose from. What do I do? 
So that would be an appropriate question that you send me to an email and then there's a 12 hour or less turnaround time where I get back to you and we can go back and forth as many times as you want because it's an unlimited service because that also speaks to the part kind of what we were talking about before is like I don't want feel, people to feel like they're only allowed to ask a minimal number of things or like mm-hmm. they have to pick their best question because they only get one per email. I want people to feel like, look, these are the things I'm struggling with. These are the things I have questions about. I don't want to go to Google and spend six hours navigating all of the things that came to me. Let's just cut to what works here for me. And so that's where the subscription side of things comes into play. Um, and now I forget, what was your second question? You know, I should probably break them up, but it is <laughs> common. What are the most common questions oh. that parents ask you that you're like, you know, I wish I had more time to yeah. really so, dive in? So I feel like it's more of sort of the approach to... A lot of where I wish I could spend more time is helping people realize where they got their information and why they believe it. Um, mm. And so, tell me more. I think about the first couple visits where people come, and they're often very, sometimes not often, but many times stressful because they've got this brand new baby. And if there are any issues, or even if there aren't any issues, all of a sudden you're home and you've got this newborn, and life is very different. Mm-hmm. And I usually find it right around the one month visit. Because at the one week and the two week visit, usually you're still sort of delirious and in this zone where you're just making it. You have support there. You have people bringing you dinners and meals and everything is just sort of a blur. And then all of a sudden the baby wakes up because, you know, the baby sleeps all the time in the beginning and you're just getting used to it. And then the baby wakes up, your support team leaves, you don't have meals coming every day all of a sudden. And now it's like, whoa, here's real life usually the partner or the husband is back to work and now you're home you're on maternity leave and you're here so what I find is that they've gotten these information pieces like oh I can't use a bottle yet it hasn't been six weeks or it hasn't been eight weeks I definitely can't use formula like that would mean I'm a failure as a breastfeeding mother I definitely can't introduce a pacifier that'll totally mess up their latch like there's just all of these criteria and rules and I can't that that parents have gotten from somewhere and no they absolutely have to be next to me in this bedroom no matter what that's what the AAP says and like there's so many pieces to why they're making these parenting choices and that's what I would love to dive deeper into because I genuinely feel like there's not one way to do this and there are very different reasons why you feel certain ways about certain things and I will support any way that you feel but I will also give you information to help you make the decision. And I always talk about, because this is so common, is in particular with feeding, with breastfeeding moms, they have been told or they have these ideas that like they can only nurse and that pumping is going to mess up their supply or, you know, maybe they can't latch so that they're exclusively pumping, but there's just so many rules, right? And then you have dad sitting over here and he's never fed the baby once. Because mom either A, thinks that she can't give the baby a bottle because that'll mess everything up, or B, because mom wants to do it and wants to do it right, and she doesn't think the way dad does it is right or something. Mm. And so this conversation, I find where I say, listen, I promise you, you have this healthy growing baby, they're getting plenty of milk, give that dad an opportunity to put some breast milk, pump, whatever you want to do, put it in the bottle, and let one feeding a day, two feedings a day, whatever it is for your schedule, your life, be theirs and let them own that. And then here's the other trick. You have to step away. You have to give <laughs> them the ability and the the trust to be a partner in this. If you want a partner in this, you have to trust your partner. And so then all of a the sudden this like wave of like, oh my gosh, 
I actually do have help and my kid can mm. feed from a bottle and I didn't mess everything up and I'm still nursing beautifully and he's still getting breast milk or the opposite. Breast milk didn't work out for a variety of different reasons and you're giving formula and it is not the end of the world and this baby is healthy and fed and happy and now all of a sudden the mom is healthy and happy and it's just like this great like enlightening moment where they're like, oh, okay. And so it's like that fear-based parenting mm. that I would love. There's so much information out right. there. Like even vaccination is probably oh, yeah. <laughs> really, really tough. That's a tricky one, yeah. Decision um, for a lot of parents, yep. depending on the information that they get. And yes. so I'm curious, there are probably a lot of parents that are convinced mm-hmm. or in denial sure. of, you know, does my child have ADHD? Does my yes. child show signs of autism or mm-hmm. You know, like, how do you approach bad news? And how do you prepare a family? For bad news? Mm. Um, well, I mean, I think I try to come at it from a place of empathy, which is just that, like, this is where we are. And this is how these are the resources and the things that we need to talk about. And I, you're exactly right that, like, there are definitely parents that are indignant and you are not going to change their mind. So, you know, vaccination is a great example. And so we've talked a lot about... Um, You know, we do this in our practice at the office too, but just in general about like meeting people where they are. And it's really not helpful for anybody to come into a conversation with all the right answers. Mm -hmm. And it's really not helpful for anybody to say, this is how this should be done. And, you know, that's why I really believe that you have to, that's why I think the home visit stuff makes so much sense is, or there's so much that comes out of that is because when you sit down with somebody in their reality, you can meet them at a place that makes sense to them and then also it provides this level of trust of like we're in this together we can talk about this together maybe this is not my recommendation you know you might have very strong opinions that like no matter what I'm not giving my child a pacifier or something like that then we'll get past that let's talk about okay so that's off the table what's our next step what's Mm. our next option because I don't want people to ever feel like their parenting choices are wrong It's just what parenting choices can we make that are going to make your life better for you, for your kid, for your partner, for your everyday life. How much do you think your role will be playing therapist? (laughs) I'm serious, Um, you know, like even as you were kind of walking through a scenario of dad feeding, you know, there can be a lot of resentment in the very beginning from both sides, but very often from moms that are like, I have to feed the baby round the clock and right. get no respite. Right. You know, and dad gets to hang out and have a beer and right. like, you know, let me know if you need anything. Like, how do you broker a relationship that, you know. My goal is to ask the question, I think. That's kind of the approach. And you're right. It's very much like a therapist, you know, um, scenario. But I don't want to be there just to sort of give um, like, yep, this is how you need to do it. Mm. I want to be there to say, okay, this is what I see. Tell me your thoughts about what, why is it important, so important for you to feed? And then also ask the dad, do you want to feed? Are you interested in doing this? Because sometimes you'll find that the dad is very nervous or very yes. like, ah, I don't know what I'm doing. And I'm just here to, you know, follow orders because that's what my role is. But then you have some of the dads who are like, absolutely, let me do this. And so, you know, I don't want to get into people's personal dynamics and like 
think that, you know, my opinion about their relationship is a part of that. It's more mm. a matter of just asking the question. And if the answer is that in that family, that works for them and that they have decided that that's the page they're going to be on and that mom's role is this, dad's role is that, or vice versa, then that's okay too. And I think being okay with your decisions is what's so important uh, in parenting. But the most important thing is to get to that decision. You just got to have the conversation. And so that's where you know, it's tricky in this land of social media and how everything is supposed to work and how you're supposed mm. to do this. And this is what a family is supposed to look like. And oh, like, you know, victory for dad, he changed a diaper. It's like, that's a doing a disservice to dads because they shouldn't, you know, you don't need to give them accolades for doing parenting things because they're a parent too. And then on the flip side, like dads also, I encourage them to be more involved. And then I encourage moms to let them. You know, yeah. there's a, there's a lot of that and that's not just in, you know, parenting that's in life, but just, if you just have the conversation, you might not come to the same, you might not realize that you guys were looking at it the same way, but feeling differently mm. about the outcome. I'm curious to learn about your view because you've been a nurse practitioner way longer than you've been a mom. Correct. <laughs> and I wonder how your practice has oh, changed. Completely. I mean, and what it looks like, like what, what, what is different? I, it, it's a great question. And it, you know, I definitely think my practice improved with the day I became a mom. Now that's not to discredit anybody who is a provider. That's not a mom is mm. still a fabulous provider. There's just an element in my experience for me personally, where I felt like, um, again, to use the word empathy, there's just a level of understanding uh, and a lot of times in my patient interactions, I'll say, you know, they'll ask me questions or something and I'll say, well, do you want my nurse practitioner opinion or do you want my mom opinion? And they always say both, please, both. <laughs> because some, you know, um, you know, you can read a book and it'll tell you this is what you're supposed to do and you're supposed to offer this food this many times a day and you're supposed to offer this many ounces and you're supposed to do this and it should take this amount of time and this is how this works. And then you come in and you're like, I don't, this is not working. I don't know what to do, you know, and there's just this sense of like doing it wrong. And that's where I go into where I say, okay, well, let's back up. Let's talk about like, what, what was the intention here? Why did you choose to do it this way? And what's your goal? And there's so a lot of that creates these conversations again where the conversation becomes about you know what pieces of the method are is important to you and what pieces could you do without you know uh, I always talk about like with bedtime routines like what's the most important part to you, you want to make sure your bedtime routine is calm or this is just an example a parent will say to me I just want it to be calm and I don't want to have to be in there for two or three hours every single night to get my kid to go to bed and I'll say, okay, so what is working for mm. the bedtime routine? What so far is? And then you'll have parents who are like, oh, no, I love, like, I live for those 10 minutes of snuggles before I leave that room at night. And so that's two different approaches where one mom is very comfortable with, she wants the strong and firm, like, I will give you a kiss goodnight, I love you, and I'll see you in the morning, and she's out the door, and that feels good to them. And then you have the mom that wants to hang out in there for 30 minutes. And there's nothing wrong with either if what they're getting out at the end of the day is what they wanted in that in the first place. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think that piece I would often challenge parents to really think about like, am I doing this because this is what my friend told me to do or it worked for my friend or my mother-in-law or my mother or my sister or my doctor? And, you know, I'm setting myself up for like, I either do it this way and I'm failed if I didn't, or 
am I doing this because this makes sense to me and my life and my logistics and so forth? That sounds like a beautiful approach, you know, <laughs> well, like a compassionate, goal. empathetic yeah. approach and meet them where they are. Yeah. Um, and I am wondering, what do you know that you wish other people could know? There's a lot of misinformation Ooh. out there. Um, I wish people could know that there there is no one right, right way to do this. Mm. Um, you know, people jokingly, friends will be like, oh my God, you need to write a book. You're going to need to write a book. And immediately my you response, should, well, but see, that means I have to take a stand on this is how you do it. Yeah. And I think what's so important is to feel like this is a way that has worked well for many. How can I adapt that to work well in my specific life? You know, I always talk about routines and routines and routines. And so what I can tell you is science will tell you babies thrive on routines. But what I can also tell you is there's a million different ways that routine can look. And mm. so you got to put both together. Um, and again, it comes, I feel like there's so much, what I wish people would know is that to try to make decisions out of confidence and not out of fear. I think there's mm. a lot of fear-based decision-making when it comes to, well, I have to do this because if I don't, what about this? And what if this? And what if this? And there's yeah. just anxiety and fear and um you know, again, I go back to the pacifier thing with like these little bitty babies that are in my office and they're losing their mind and their parents are like, oh, they're hungry, they're hungry, they're hungry, but they just ate an hour ago and I don't know what to do. They're always hungry. And I'm like, well, have we, you know, let's try a pacifier or whatever. And they're like, no, we can't do that because of X, Y, or Z reasons. And then, you know, we get through the thick of it and we talk about it and we, you know, I sometimes I'll tell them, all right, well, let's not do a pacifier. How about your pinky finger? Like, let's put our pinky finger in their mouth. Let's soothe them. Let's calm them. And then the baby relaxes and you can just see this like wave of like relief oh yeah I don't have this anxiety build up because now I have a tool to calm my mm. child that I was originally afraid to do because I had all this other information that was convincing me maybe it wasn't the mm -hmm. best thing and so again it feels like there's a lot of decisions made out of fear and what I want people to go into parenthood with is the confidence that like I've talked about this I've thought about this I've prepped for this and yeah, I'm not going to know the answer. And one of the, the things about the new normal that I say on the website is that I also want people to realize your new normal is not going to be normal for long because then the next thing is mm -hmm. coming. And so I think for parenting in my life, that's what I have really had to learn and hope people also learn is that you're going to get in a groove and then something's going to change. Somebody's going to yeah. turn a different age or something is going to change in your work life or in your home life and now you got to create a new normal. But every time you do that, you can have support to navigate that with you. When my son was born and he um, went into the NICU, obviously, mm -hmm. surprisingly, yeah, and was in there for nine days. And I remember we were around Christmas and we had to spend Christmas at home without him. Right. And it was really hard. And I remember my cousin called me and this is like brand new mom. And she said, well, you have learned the first lesson and that is nothing ever goes as planned. Welcome to parenthood. <laughs> right. <laughs> and right. I thought about that. I right. think that's a really important distinction. Right. Can I get some free advice while I have you here? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> let's Perfect. see how let's see how this works. Yes. So my husband has been bathing our kids. So yes. I have a four year old girl yes. and a six year old boy. And we bathe them every night together. Yep. And uh, usually my husband bathes them and he's like, we got to stop doing it together. Things are getting weird <laughs> <laughs> with yes. the private parts. Yeah. 
you know, is it time to split them up? So, I mean, what we would say from from a medical perspective, it's totally normal. I think what it comes down to is your comfort as a parent of talking to your kids in a very matter of fact way and explaining to them sort of what is considered okay and what's not considered okay. And so if a lot of times kids recognize when we as parents start getting weirded out and when we start getting nervous or we start becoming Mm. sort of like, oh, what is going on? And they fuel by that because they think it's funny or they think it's you know, something I'm doing is getting under mom's skin or dad's skin. And so that, that encourages them to continue that behavior. And so a lot of times, you know, I think it's very important. We should be talking to our kids about this all the time anyway, which is just using the correct words for what our Mm -hmm. private area is. We should be saying, this is your penis. This is your vagina. You are a boy. You have a penis. She is a girl. She is a vagina. These are both part of our private bodies this part of our body we don't touch or we don't let other people touch without our permission you know and that's it that's it that is what it is and if they you know well, sometimes they give each can, other permission and if they <laughs> and if so then you have to then have the conversation yes. which is like you are brother and sister you need to keep your hands to yourself when it comes to your private areas if you would like to touch yourself that is your business and it can be done in the privacy of your bathroom or your bedroom but those are private spaces that need to be kept private from your brother and your sister or whatever your 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 words you want to use about um you know who can touch you and who cannot touch you yeah. in your family but um yeah i think what's important is that you and dad have the lines ready yes because they're coming and they are going to and then when you sort of just make it a non issue you'll be surprised how quickly it becomes a non-issue for them. Yeah. Because now all of a sudden it's no fun to talk about this or play this game or do anything because it's not getting a rise out of mom or dad and they're not getting weirded out by it. So now we've lost the thrill. I'll make sure my husband listens to this. (laughs) Now, I I mean, I think I I also would go with the the rule of thumb, which (laughs) is that if either of them ever asks, I want to take a shower by myself or, uh, you know, if any, if modesty becomes part of their Mm -hmm. agenda and, you know, your six-year-old might come to that before your four-year-old or who knows. But if they say, you know, mom, I'd really like to start taking a bath without my sister, then you honor that because you respect your kids. You want your kids to respect you. You respect that in them. And you can, you you can, you can divulge further. Oh, really? That's great. I'm happy to do that. Can you tell me a bit more about that? Why is that? And maybe they can, maybe they can't, but you respect what they choose at that point. That's great. See, you are just on fire. This is rapid fire. <laughs> what about kids? What about kids not eating to the point that you yell at them every night? Because ah. that's what happens in my world. So it's that unless it's like macaroni and cheese right. or spaghettios. How do I put health into my children? So you've tapped into like probably the most common question yes. at the doctor's office yes. for the ages of like two to four yeah. and beyond. But two to four, like the two-year-old, three-year-old, four-year-old visit you know, one of the things we just generally say, how's eating? And you either get the answer, which is like, they're great. They eat whatever we put. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think they're a bottomless pit. And then the other option that you get is they're like, yeah, we do all right. We try to figure out ways to get their veggies in there some way, some here. You know, they'd eat pizza and mac and cheese and grilled cheese all day. So um, to speak to that, I actually, I put a plug in for this program called Strong for Life, which is offered through Children's Healthcare of Atlanta. And they are really, uh, they're just unveiled this. We actually just went to an in-service on this about, eating and developing eating habits between the ages of zero and three and recognizing that we are sending our children messages from the get-go about the relationship with food, the relationship with food. And, um, you know, there's a variety of reasons that, uh, we choose the foods that we choose for our children. And there's a variety of reasons of why kids become picky. Um, you know, again, not one size fits all, but the approach to food, um, really, 
becomes less about mm. you must eat this now or you can't have this. And instead, the one of the best pieces of advice I received was that you, you know, as parents, we are in charge of where the kids eat. So are we eating at a dinner room, dining room table together? Yeah. We are in charge of when. So we're in charge of the schedule. We don't get to have snacks every hour of the day. Dinner is at 5 p.m. or 6 p.m. or whatever. Um, and we are in charge of what gets put in front of them. So we are in charge of... Yeah, they love grilled cheese. We're not going to give them a grilled cheese every single dinner. Um, yeah, we know they 100% are never going to touch those green peas because mm -hmm. they never have before. Guess what? They're still getting put on that dinner plate. And so, but then the child gets to determine how much and what of the things they choose. Oh, that's so hard. And so it the, it's like a giant food exactly. waste. <laughs> it's food waste and then it's frustration <clears throat> because you are automatically, or at least I know I am, I'm like, great, they're not going to eat anything. And then in an hour, they're going to be at my ankles asking me for a snack and I'm so hungry and I'm starving and da 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 And so that, you know, you you sometimes make decisions because you know that it's going to get you out of jail next, which is that you are eliminating the need for another parenting decision or mm -hmm. battle down the road because now they are going to be full on their grilled cheese and it's fine. They're active. It's okay. Don't worry about it. But what you're creating for them is the scenario, which is all I have to do is pitch a fit or all I have to do is refuse this and I get the foods that I know I particularly like and that's the rabbit hole that you're going down mm -hmm. of eating. Um, How do I break the cycle? My kids well, are over one to three. Right. Well, and so I think you have the good news I've about that. rounded the corner of failure. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> the good news about that is that now I would argue you can, now you can actually talk to them about it. So yeah. now you involve them in the process and you can explain it to them, which is like, look, mommy and daddy's job is to make sure that you grow up healthy and strong. In order to do that, we need to eat from a variety of different food sources. Mm. Let's talk, you know, and you take them. One of the biggest lessons I learned in my house with cooking is if I take my child with me to pick out the things that we are going to cook, it is like I'm picking out candy mm. because all of the sudden they are a part of this and they are all, they want to try it and eat it because they saw the whole process. So like, you know, a vegetable or something or even a fruit or any new thing you're going to try and explaining to them and watching the process and seeing th that, you know, this vegetable that mom chopped up is now on my plate and I get to dip it in something or whatever that I was a part of, you get a lot more success that way. But again, I go back to, you might do all of that. And then your kid's like, nah, I'm not eating that. <laughs> like yeah. I saw it and I cooked with you and I did all the things you were supposed to do. I and still I'm still not eating cheese. it. Yeah. <laughs> so that's when you just, you go back to, you just say to them, okay, well, this is what's for dinner tonight. We'll talk, you know, maybe there will be a grilled cheese a different night this week, but this is what for dinner. And you inevitably are going to get the absolute puddle to the floor mm -hmm. meltdown. I'm so hungry. <laughs> blah, 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 and that's okay. And I think what you, as a parent, you also, again, this comes from that fear versus confidence. You have to be confident in your decision. You know you're making the best choice for your child by providing them food. You are not starving them. You are not depriving them. You have put food in front of them that is good for them. You didn't just pick like Brussels sprouts and beets. You have a variety and you switch it up. You don't feed them the same thing every night. They are so fortunate for that, right? Mm -hmm. And then if they choose not to eat it, that's a choice that they have to make and empowering them. So having the conversation with Danny and Juliana about like, Hey, that's okay. If you get to make this decision, you're not going to eat that. That's your choice. And then they don't eat it. And then an hour later when they're hungry, you can say to them, you know, your dinner that you chose not to eat that, how does this feel now? Do you remember, do you remember that you had this option and what yeah. does it feel like now? And, mm. you know, 
sometimes that insightfulness for them will click. Sometimes it will not. (laughs) Many times it will not until the third time or the fourth or the whatever. But coming from the confident place reassures them that you know what you're doing and that psychologically is what they need. That's the that boundary so they're looking for. good. Allie, that's it. I'm signing up right <laughs> now. So tell me about, there. there's some other things that I saw, your a la carte services. Yes. Where you have baby registry services. Yeah, yeah. Where were you six years ago <laughs> and five years ago when yep. I was pregnant with mine? So that came, that also oh stemmed God. from experience, which is that, you know, I had no idea what I was doing or getting myself into when I opened the Pandora's box of baby registry or even Googling such a thing. Um, and I learned a lot about what I felt like I needed or what I was told I needed or what, you know, um, just, yeah, what, what I thought was there and then what I actually ended up needed needing or over time, you know, meeting with different friends and, you know, different folks telling me things that worked wonders for them and then other friends telling me things that did not. Um, you know, one of the best examples I gave, somebody asked me the same question. They were like, well, how are you going to, like, what do you mean? How will you know any differently? And I say, you know, things like um, you get a billion newborn clothes. Well, newborn clothes are for si- uh weight five to eight pounds well there's a lot of babies that are eight pounds by one week yeah you know they came out nine pounds pounds. yeah right and so there's a whole slew of things that people are like oh they're like well why would they make them newborn if they don't fit all newborns right um and then another one is like you register for a high chair everybody wants a high chair on their registry and it's like okay let's talk about this you're registering for something when you're pregnant so you're not you don't usually even have the baby yet and now you're registering for something that's fairly large that's going to sit in your kitchen or your house or somewhere when a child is not even sitting in that for four to six months and so you're focusing on items that don't make sense for your life yet and then the other thing I find happens is sometimes you realize you just get one of those little clip-on things to your dining room table because that's what works in your space Mm. and you never use the dang high chair anyway so you've registered for this hundred two hundred dollar item that you thought you had to have because somebody told you you did or you assumed you know that's an essential baby item and so I think that's the registry piece also can tie into like the home visit and the talking about life logistics and stuff Um, you know is dinner time going to always be a one-man show where the other parent is at work then yeah you're gonna need a high chair because you gotta strap this kid in but you know is dinner time collaborative can you use a bumbo seat with a little tray or who knows um so you know just asking the questions to narrow down or tailor a registry to you and so the other piece for the a la carte stuff is because i recognize you know signing up for subscriptions can sometimes feel like too much of a commitment for people um or sometimes people don't really know they need the service yet or maybe they really do only have one or two questions that they just want to get answered and they want to see how it goes first see if they like my advice or see if they feel like it's a good fit so that's where the a la carte comes in is i wanted people to feel like this was an approachable an approachable um service where you don't have to be all in immediately. Um, I would love for you to be, and I think that you would enjoy it if you were. Mm-hmm. But if you did feel like I just need one phone call or I just need one email, then you can have it that way. I think that's awesome. I think the subscription um, options are really thoughtfully put together too, especially for like new moms mm-hmm. or in a home consultation and then mm-hmm. the a la carte service. So how can people find you? So um the easiest way that like explains everything, or at least I'm trying to do a good job of explaining it, is the website, which is newnormalparenting.com. Um, and Not then the correct, just newnormalparenting.com. Yes. 
Yeah, because the new normal was taken. Uh, <laughs> so newnormalparenting.com is you know, the this website. Is, this would have been left of center podcast, but it was taken. Yes. Yeah, like it, it so was last updated in like left. 2017. <laughs> so I'm a little left. I, I know it's, it's, it's wild. Yeah. So on that same vein, my Instagram is complicated because the varieties <laughs> of new normal that were taken. Um, and so that one... You can find at the bottom of my website, you can click to it, but also you could go on Instagram and it's underscore the period new period normal underscore at inst- or that's I'll the Instagram. I'll handle. link it in the show yeah. notes. It'll be easy. Just <laughs> yeah. go to your phone and click through and exactly. you can subscribe and get in touch with Allie. Yeah. And the idea behind Instagram is more just to like invoke the conversations and make people Educate. think about why this mm-hmm. service would make sense. Um, and then the website goes into more detail about how that works. That is great. Thank you so much, Allie. You're I welcome. can't wait Thanks for to having see me. where this goes. And you were great. This was awesome. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks to Allie Horn of The New Normal for being my guest this week. I'm always impressed by people who see a need in the culture and look to fill it. I've linked her info in the show notes. In the meantime, I truly hope you'll not only subscribe, but leave a review and continue sharing these episodes. I'm also looking for sponsors for future episodes. We have so many exciting things coming up. Thank you so much for listening and I'll see you next week.